You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear. If you're an outdoor enthusiast and you haven't been in a Jack's store, do yourself a favor and stop by one. And broadcasting on 104.3 The Fan, let's go to the phones. Joining us uh, also from the warm water hatchery system here in Colorado is James Skipper. Good morning, James. Howdy, Terry. How are you? I'm doing well. Did you get a chance to hear any of what we finished up with Quentin at all? I did, yeah. I caught the, about the last five or five or six minutes of it. So, You know, we have such great resources to fish for warm water fish here in Colorado, and panfish are some of them. But there's a couple other fish that really one of them is underutilized, and one of them has gone from being just another fish in Colorado over the last probably 15 years or so to being one of the most popular fish in Colorado, and that's the largemouth bass. And you do those, you do those species. Tell us a little bit. It's a little more involved raising the largemouth bass, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, I'm the, the hatchery manager for the Los Angeles Fish Hatchery. Uh, we're located in southeastern Colorado, uh, about 15 minutes east of John Martin Reservoir. Um, so you, you mentioned we do the bass and the catfish uh, for the state. Uh, the bass uh, are probably the more intensive one. Um, so what we do with those guys is... Uh, at the beginning of May, uh, we'll split those uh, fish, the adult fish, out of their overwintering pond uh, into a spawn pond. Um, we we typically put uh, right around 125 pairs uh, into each pond. And uh, right when the water temps hit around 65 consistently in the morning is when they start to spawn. Um, you know, and in nature, they bass make a nest just like sunfish. Um on the uh, the banks of the pond or, or reservoir. And so what we do is we put out artificial nests, uh, which is about a uh, foot by foot uh, square filter floss. Uh, and the bass kind of seek out that, that structure and that texture to lay their eggs. And we'll check those daily um, and then bring them into one of our two hatchery buildings that we have on site. Um, and for right around a week, uh, until till they hatch, so they, they feed off their yolk sac just like a, a chicken egg uh, for about a week, and then they actually lay on the bottom uh, for right around another uh, 7 to 10 days uh, until they reach what's called swim-up, uh, which is where uh, their uh, swim bladder inflates and their mouth parts form. They come up into the water column, and they start looking for um, uh, food. And so we, uh, we feed them sea monkeys or brine shrimp, uh, for about another uh, five, four or five days uh, to kind of strengthen them before they uh, go out to either our grow-out ponds or out to the reservoirs. Um, if they go to the reservoirs as fry, uh, what we do is uh, we bag them up uh, around 30,000 little fry, uh, just a couple millimeters long into plastic bags, not too much different than what you'd get from, uh, say, the pet shop. Uh, we put them in uh, pizza bags, actually. Uh, we found that those are a good uh, insulating uh, cooler for transport, and we'll take those out to the reservoirs and ponds around the state. And then uh, if we uh, if we put them out to our grow-up ponds, what we do there is we uh, fertilize the, the pond like Quentin talked about and kind of get the zooplankton and phytoplankton going. Uh, we actually use alfalfa pellets for that um, in order to get that going. Then we put the fry on top of those zooplankton. They feed for right around 30 days, and they'll come out of that pond right at about an inch and a half. 
Um, and then those guys go out and get stocked as well. So, so yeah, look, a couple, couple things going on with those guys. That's a little different from the panfish. So, all right. And of course the bass get much bigger and, uh, and, and, and they get sought after maybe a little more by the, by the more advanced anglers. What the biologists decide where they're going to put them. Um, but you pretty much stock that they end up going in most of the warm water ponds and, and lakes that'll support them in the state. Absolutely. Yeah. So we stock, uh, all over the state. Um, we do large and small waters, a uh, lot on the Eastern Plains and front range. Uh, but we also uh, do quite a bit on the West Slope out toward Junction and uh, uh, Cortez, Durango in that area as well. Um, but, yes, the, the warm water fish, uh, you know, they, they can survive. And uh, like Quentin was mentioning, those higher temperatures and the lower oxygens. Um, so they're a good option for those, you know, one to two acre uh, kind of park ponds that you, you see a lot of in the metro areas um, and up and down the front range. Now, is there pretty good natural reproduction out there too, or is it, or would it kind of really dwindle without supplemental stocking? Uh, so, with the with the largemouth, there is pretty good natural reproduction in a lot of our waters. Um, so, the idea behind stocking out the um, largemouth as fry is basically to seed that water. Um, so, you're you're not putting out a catchable like you do with a trout. Um, but you're looking at just supplementing that population. Um, and there, like I said, there is a lot of natural reproduction, but because of the, you know, the population increase in Colorado in the recent years, uh, there's a lot more pressure on that resource now. So, uh, it, the, the stocking is a way to kind of supplement that and to, to help those populations sustain even with the, the increased fishing pressure. Now, we only have a couple minutes left, but I want to switch gears to the catfish. I think this is an underused resource. Um, you, how do you get? How do we get catfish? Do we breed them here? Do we trade for them? How do we acquire catfish? Sure. So uh, we actually do trade for those guys. Um, so every state uh, in the U.S. kind of has at least some kind of fish hatchery system, much like Colorado. Uh, and we actually get the catfish fry from out of state. Uh, so we get them from our, our partners in uh, Texas, Arkansas, and Mississippi. Um, and every uh, June, uh, we do a road trip down to those states and pick up uh, right around a, a quarter million uh, each trip uh, and come back to the hatchery. Uh, we get those, the fryer, right, right around a half inch or so long at that point. Um, they go to our hatchery tanks. We rear them up for about another month, get them to about an inch and a half before they go out to our grow-out ponds. Uh, and then we grow them up to two sizes. We stock out a three-inch fish and an eight-inch fish. Uh, the three-inch fish, again, is a, to kind of feed larger waters. And then the eight-inch fish is something that would go to, say, the front range, like I mentioned, those park ponds, the local neighborhood ponds, um, that you know a kid might could catch right away uh, being eight inches. I think they're just a great resource out there, the, the catfish, and they just add another layer for the kids fishing these ponds. And I don't think we emphasize them enough, but almost all the ponds up and down the front range have bass and, and catfish in them, don't they? Absolutely, yeah. If, uh, if there's a small park pond in your neighborhood, there's a, there's a good chance we stock that on catfish. So. 
All right, James, we're out of time, but I just want to thank you and Quentin both and everything that Parks and Wildlife does because when I see these kids fishing these ponds and we understand the work it takes to provide that resource, we just want to say thank you. Absolutely. It's good to hear that. All right. Thanks, James. Thanks. Appreciate it. You bet. James Skipper, we're going to take a time out and we come out, come back. We're going to tell you how to go after these ponds with a fly rod on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.